Well, I, uh, I talk about this a decent amount, but just in case you've forgotten, or it, maybe it's just to establish a reconnection. Um, when I'm going from point A to, to point B, I want to get there fast. And people, somebody asked me today, when you're, when you're traveling, do you like to drive? And I'm like, yes, I want to drive. And it's probably a control thing, and I'm in therapy, so don't worry about that. But I, I do love to drive, and I love to drive fast. Now, I've got an issue, and all the men and most of the women will probably connect here, or maybe some of the women, I don't know. But if my GPS says it's going to take four hours, then I've got to beat four hours. So I'm in competition with the GPS. I'm see some heads nodding, right? And I've got to beat my last time. Also, so my fastest time from Atlanta to Anderson is 58 minutes. Um, that's not a lot. Do the math, yes. But uh, that, since the Anderson police are in the room, I slowed down once I got to the city limits. Just That's what you need to know. Anyway, I love driving super fast and just getting there. So I, it was a few months ago. I had about a four-hour drive ahead of me. And for, for me, a four-hour drive is easy. Um, it's, I, I just love it. Put on some music and I go. And isn't it funny, by the way, um, I had, on this particular day, my music of choice was a little praise and worship, um, and it's not always the choice, but on this day, it was the choice. Isn't it awesome how incredible you sing when you're in the car by yourself? I mean, you're just wearing it out. You're like, man, I'm going on the voice. I'm going to go on the blind dot. So I'm wearing this song out. Got a little praise going on. Don't want to get too crazy on the highway, but you know, maybe like the, I've told y'all before, it's not like, it's not Mufasa, but it's like I stole the television. I'm kind of right here with my praise. And and, and I'm moving. I make, I'm going to beat the GPS. I'm going to beat my last time. Everything is awesome. And then I came over the hill, and I saw the lights. And it wasn't the blue lights. Blue lights, blue lights are blue lights. You get pulled over. It, it is what it is. It wasn't the blue lights. It was the brake lights. And it was, it was traffic. And I was like, not a problem been in traffic before. Somebody's, somebody's windshield wiper probably fell off and everybody had to stop and look at the windshield wiper. And so it, this is not a problem, right? We'll just kind of get right through. And 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm not moving. Now, I have anger issues. I have some control issues. And I started getting angry. And the, the music selection changed. And it went like from <laughs> praise and worship to angry white rapper Eminem. Like I had to have some, I, and I was getting, I was getting super worked up. So the thing is, and I was just thinking, you know, when everything was going great, man, I had the praise and worship going, man, I, I was feeling awesome. But as soon as I got stuck in traffic, the music selection changed. And that night when I was going to bed, I started thinking about how that is just in my life in general, that and all of us can agree, when life is going awesome, isn't it easy to like be thankful and even praise God? Like, like I, I put it this way. I put it this way. I think that I struggle with this. And I know if, if you're here tonight and you're like a human being, you probably struggle with this too. I call it the if, even if thing. So, so if I ask God for something and he says yes, I don't have a problem like giving praise or saying thank you. For example, have you ever prayed for a parking place and you got one? Dear God, let there be a parking place. Let, oh my gosh, and you pull in. By the way, why is it that at the gym, everybody wants a good parking place? Because you're at the freaking gym. You're going to walk, you're going to go in there and work out. Anyway, it's always bothered me. But you, you, you're praying for a parking place. Happened to me the other day at Publix. I pulled in, like this little lady pulled out. I pulled right in. I was like, Jesus loves me. Yes, he does. I just pulled right in, right up front. It's great. 
But when you don't get the parking place, you're kind of like, oh, God. But it gets a little bit more serious. Like, God, I love you if I get into college. But then our faith really becomes real when we can say, God, I love you even if I don't get into college. God, I love you if I keep my job. But God, I'll also love you even if I lose my job. God, I love you when I'm healthy, if I'm healthy, but God, I'll also love you even if I struggle with depression and anxiety. God, I'll love you if you'll heal my mother, but God, I will love you and I'll praise you even if you choose to take her home. This right here, this is my struggle because it's easy to love God if he does what I want. Where I struggle, and I think where we all could say that we struggle, is we struggle to love God even if he doesn't do. But it's during the even if moments of our life that our faith grows and we see God more clearly than we've ever seen him before. In order to set up where I'm going, I got to tell you a story. And this story is in the Bible. Now, I started to summarize the story, but I'm not summarizing the story for two reasons. Number one, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're not a Bible person, you will not believe that this story is in the Bible unless I just read it out of the Bible. Number two, if you're here and you are a Christian and you've been in church your whole life, you've never heard this story talked about in church because it's weird and it's uncomfortable and it, it's, like, it's like Girls Gone Wild and Jerry Springer met at, at the beach and, and, and had a baby and that's what this story is, okay? So it's just crazy. And if, if you get mad, don't, please, I, no, most people don't, around here don't get mad, but just don't get mad because all I'm doing is reading the Bible. These are not t-shirt verses. These are not coffee cup verses. They're weird verses. But I just want to read a little bit of God's word. Soak it in. You ready? You nervous? It's awesome. One day, Dinah, everybody say Dinah. Dinah had to be one of the hottest women in the Bible. You'll see what I'm talking about in a second. One day, Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and Leah went to visit some of the young women who lived in the area. But when the local prince, Shechem, everybody say Shechem. He's the bad guy. Shechem, son of Hamar the Hivite. Any Hivites here? Good. The Hivite saw Dinah. He seized her and he raped her. But then he fell in love with her. He tried to win her affection with tender words. He said to, this, to his father, Hamar, get me this young girl. I want to, to marry her. Weird so far? Yeah, it hadn't even got started. Soon, soon Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah, but since his sons were out in the fields herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. Hamar, Shechem's father, came to discuss the matter with Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the fields. As soon as they heard what happened, they were shocked and furious that their sister had been raped. Shechem had done a disgraceful thing against Jacob's family, something that should never be done. Hamar tried to speak with Jacob and his sons. My son Shechem is truly in love with your daughter, he said. Please let him marry her. Now, there's not a dad in this room that goes, <laughs> okay. Like, not, like this, is, this is messed up, but it gets even more messed up. Watch this. In fact, let's arrange other marriages too. Now, I just want to say that I'm totally against arranged marriages until I had a daughter, and I'm, I'm for it now. Um, I, but, but that's just a side note. 
Let's arrange other marriages too. You give us your daughters for our sons, and we'll give you our daughters for your sons, and you may live among us. The land is open for you. Settle here and trade with us, and feel free to buy property in the area. Then Shechem himself spoke to Dinah's father and and brothers. Please be kind to me. Okay, dude, you kind of messed that up. But like, please be kind to me. I wasn't kind to her, but please be kind to me. And let me marry her, he begged. I will give you whatever you ask. Have you ever been that in love? Guys, you're like, baby, I'd do anything for you. I I would do anything for you. Every guy has his limits. We're about to see. I, I would have my limits in this story. No matter what dowry or gift you demand, because you used to have to pay for the bride. You know, the, your, if your daughter was pretty, she like brought like a thousand camels. If she wasn't like easy to look at, she's like a hundred camels. So I, that's it's just it's in the Bible. I'm just providing commentary, a little unfiltered. It's Sunday night. I will gladly pay it. Just give me the girl as my wife. But since Shechem had defiled their sister Dinah, Jacob's sons responded deceitfully to Shechem and his father Hamar. They said to them, "We couldn't possibly allow this because you're not circumcised." Talk about a breakup line. Like that, that's, it's in right there in the Bible. It would be a disgrace for our sister to marry a man like you. But here's the solution. If every man among you will be circumcised like we are, then we will give you our daughters and we'll take your daughters for ourselves. We will live among you and become one people. But if you don't agree to be circumcised, we will take her and be on our way. Now, for me, I'm just going to throw this out. That's a deal killer. Like, if I'm Shechem, I'm like, you you only do what? Okay, what is that? (laughs) She ain't that hot. Like, that, that... there is not a woman on the planet that that's hot. Like, no guy was like, yeah, yeah, let me, you know what? Not only me, but like all my friends, all my friends too, like everybody in the village, like everybody in the village, yeah, 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 all of y'all have to have this, this surgery. Hamar and his son Shechem agreed to their proposal, which is proof that they had weed in the Old Testament. Shechem wasted no time in acting on this request for he wanted Jacob's daughter desperately. (laughs) Somebody should have told homeboy about Tinder. Shechem was a highly respected member of his family, and he went with his father, Hamar, to present this proposal to the leaders at the town gate. So the next city council meeting, he gets to speak and says, guys, I got a great idea. These men are are our friends. Um, They said, let's invite them to live here among us and trade freely. Look, the land is large enough to hold them. We can take their daughters as wives and let them marry ours, but they will consider staying here, becoming one people with us. Only if all of our men are circumcised just as they are. Now, I don't know if I get a no vote, but like right here, if I'm on, I'm like, I'm, I'm like throwing up the no vote, but that's not what happens. But if we do this, all their livestock and possessions will eventually be ours. Come, let's agree to their terms and let, the, let them settle among us. It's not that big a deal. So all the men in the town council agreed 
with Hamar and Shechem, and every male in the town was circumcised. Let's stand for closing prayer. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Can, can we agree this is a little messed up? Every man, like how hot was Dinah, right? But here's the point, because some of you are like, listen, he's not normally like this, and I don't know where he's going with this. I am going somewhere. You just got to give me a minute to get there. Watch this. But three days later, three days later, three days later, when their wounds were still sore, <laughs> you don't say, two of Jacob's sons, how many? Two. Two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, who were Dinah's full brothers, took their swords and entered the town without opposition. They slaughtered every male there, including Hamar and his son Shechem. They killed them with their swords, then took Dinah from Shechem's house and returned to their camp. Now, that's a, that's a pretty brutal story, but all I wanted to do with this story is point out that two men, two men, three days after every man in this village got circumcised, two men went in, went in with swords, no opposition, killed everybody. So we could all agree that circumcision back in the Old Testament made a person very vulnerable. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Now, all of that was to get us to where we got to go right now. Let's, let's pretend for just a second that this is the Jordan River. Okay, we're on a tight budget. So this is the illustration. This is the Jordan River. Now, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for around 430 years, and then they got out of Egypt, and they wandered around for 40 years because they didn't have GPS, and then they finally came to the banks of the Jordan River. Now, on this side of the Jordan River, things were good because they had defeated um, their enemies they were safe on this side of the Jordan River. There was manna falling from heaven. So when you get bread from heaven, that's like a good day. There, were, there was water coming from rocks. Like everything on this side of the Jordan River was provided for. On this side of the Jordan River, there were seven nations, seven nations that wanted to attack them and fight them. They were going to get no more manna from heaven because the land was going to provide the food they needed, no more water from rocks because there were lakes and there were rivers. And so on this side of the Jordan, things were good. And it, th this side of the Jordan has got, I love you because you're providing bread from heaven and I don't have any enemies and I'm safe and I'm comfortable. But on this side of the Jordan, it's a little bit more difficult to love God because you're going to have to fight. And you're going to have some tough days. Now, crossing the Jordan is going to be a miracle. This is, I didn't say this this morning, but, but it's so true. God, I want to do a whole series on this. Everybody wants a miracle, but most of the time, we don't want what's on the other side of a miracle. Because there's usually mess, miracle, mess, miracle, mess, miracle, mess. Am I, am I speaking anybody's language right now? That was for absolutely free. I didn't even tell the people that this morning. So watch this. Watch this. So, so the Israelites get here and they cross the Jordan River. So they go across the Jordan River. Joshua take, takes a play out of Moses' playbook when Moses did the thing with the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. Well, Joshua did the same thing with the Jordan River. Jordan River parted. All the Israelites go across, and the Bible says in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings 
who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. So the Israelites are on this side of the Jordan. There's seven nations that want to come attack them. But as soon as they crossed over, everything that they were concerned about was already taken care of. See, God has a way of going before us. And when we just do what he tells us to do, he takes care of things. God God will take care of the things that we're unaware of. So they're probably worried about stepping across the Jordan and having to fight immediately, but God took care of the situation. Now, real quick question. Did the Israelites know that God had done this? The answer is no, because they hadn't read Joshua chapter five, verse one. They weren't on this side of the Jordan going, you know what, guys? I'm right here in the book. It says once we get over there, everybody's going to freak out. So let's go. And and, and they kind of stepped over. They had no idea what God was up to. This is what they knew. God has gotten us this far. He's been faithful. He's provided us with bread in the desert, water from rocks. We've had quail from heaven. God has taken care of every single need we've ever had. And so when we get on that side of the Jordan, listen, the God over here is going to be the God over here. So let's just follow him and go with what he's saying. And so they stepped over and they're getting ready to fight and nobody will come fight them because God has put fear in the hearts of the enemy. See, God even controls our enemies when we're following him. It's so good. And then this happens. This happens. Because some of you are like, this is all great, but I'm still, the whole circumcision thing has me a little freaked out. I don't know why you talked about it. Pay attention. At that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. So, So if you think you have a bad job, Joshua's job was awful because he couldn't delegate this. And if I'm Joshua, I'm, I'm asking for confirmation. God, I, I, need some, I, need, I need confirmation. I need that camel to talk to me. I need to see a naked Smurf. I need, like, Smurfs didn't exist back then, but, but I, I, you want me to do what? So here's what's crazy. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel that place. I'm not going to try to say it. Wait, wait, wait. Because all of them knew the story. All of them knew the, the book of Genesis. Like they, 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 the, the stories got passed down orally. They knew what had happened. That, wouldn't it make sense to if God wanted the Israelites to be circumcised for it to happen on this side of the Jordan? Because here, there were no enemies. They were safe. They had manna. They were provided for. Everything was good. But, but once they get over here, and there's seven nations that want to come and attack them. Listen, if two men put an entire village to death with two swords, what could seven nations have done to the nation of Israel? They could have obliterated them. They wouldn't be here today. Because remember, when the two men went into town, the, the men in the village couldn't fight. This was going to put them in a position where they could not fight. They could not defend themselves. The women were going to be vulnerable. The children were going to be vulnerable. Everything had, everything had the opportunity to go wrong, but God had already moved, and God had already taken care of all the problems that they were concerned with in the first place. So what I get out of this story 
what I get out of this story, what, what's going to move me, what's going to move us from God, I love you if, to God, I love you even if, I think are three things, three key words that stuck out in my entire study of, of this story. And the first one is desperation. Desperation. I grew up watching um, cartoons. It was my Saturday morning thing. I don't know if people still do that or not, but Saturday morning cartoons. And my favorite was the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. And I loved, Bugs Bunny is like my favorite cartoon character of all time. And uh, Mickey Mouse is close, but I love Bugs Bunny. And then uh, there were, there's some others, but the one that I couldn't stand was the coyote and the roadrunner. And I always hated it because I knew what was going to happen. Coyote was stupid and he couldn't catch the roadrunner and he always got hurt. In fact, the coyote would set a trap for the roadrunner and then he would wind up falling into his own trap. And every episode, there was a scene that looked something like this where the anvil is falling and all he can do is hold up the help sign and he knows that if something doesn't happen or something intervene, that he's going to get squashed. And when I found this picture the other day on the internet, I went, oh my gosh, that's how I feel in my prayer life most days. God help. Because it feels like circumstances are falling down on me. And there are people in this room that you feel like the weight of the world is falling on you and all you can do is hold up a sign asking God for help. Desperation. You feel like there was a time in your life where things were good and things were safe, but now we're on this side of the Jordan and the anxiety is real and the panic attacks are real and the, the sick family member is real and the suffering is real and we're desperate. But one of the things I've discovered is when I'm the most desperate in my life, that's not an opportunity for me to keep my eyes down. It's an opportunity for me to put my eyes up. Because desperation, desperation, if we'll lean into it, will lead us to desire God in a way we've never desired him before. One of the biggest things that I hate when I hear it is, oh, I'm a self-made man. Well, number one, if you're self-made, then you're probably not worth as much as you think you you are, because none of us in this room can get to the place we need to get in our lives without the help of God and without the help of others. We got to have the help of God and we got to have the help of others. Desperation is a reminder we can't walk through life alone. So if you're in a situation where you're desperate, maybe it's not God's punishment. Maybe it's God preparing you to take a land that all your forefathers could do was dream about. Desperation. The second thing, second thing that came up in this text is the word sacrifice. Now, anytime somebody mentions sacrifice at church, everybody like grabs their wallet because it's like, oh, here comes the money. That's not, I'm not talking about there was no, there's no money given here. There was, it was skin. Now, when I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the fact that all of us, every person in this room enjoys comfort. I enjoy comfort as much as anybody. And so the other night, in, in, it was about 3 o'clock, I woke up. And I'm one of those people that wakes up at least once or twice in the middle of the night. And I woke up. And for some reason that night, I had my room extra cold. I have, I have three fans blowing on me at all time. And air conditioner cut down real, real, real low. And I got my comforter, and it's pulled up like right here. 
And I had somebody ask me this morning, what about Chance? He's a dog. You'll figure it out. He'll survive. They, they're tough. And so, so, he's, so I'm like, like right here. I got this all pulled up. And I woke up. And if you ever woke up in the middle of the night and you're so comfortable, but you got to pee. Thank you very much. There was one on. No, 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 I never have to pee in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, and so I woke up and I had to go. And I was like, no, 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 God, you know what? And I, I pray about stuff. I do. I was like, God, you dried up the Red Sea. You can dry up my bladder in the name of Jesus right now. I rebuke the demon of pee. And I just, you just make it up. I'm half asleep. And uh, it, it, it wouldn't go away. In fact, in order to get past the discomfort, I had to make the sacrifice of getting out of my nice, awesome high thread count sheet bed and go to the restroom. The guys were like, huh? Um, it, was, it was a sacrifice. Now, all of us can agree. You don't even have to be a Bible person to agree that in this story, sacrifice was demanded. God, God men, would you say that this would have been a sacrifice? Yeah, thank you very much. This was a serious sacrifice, but don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Anytime God asks us to give something up, it's always because he wants to make room for the immeasurably more that he wants to put back into our life. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God asked the men for skin. And he gave them back a nation that is still on the map today. By the way, those other seven nations, you can't find them. They don't exist. But the nation where the men, and ultimately the women and children, were willing to sacrifice, they stepped into a promise that their forefathers could only dream about. So with this in mind, I, I was working through this the other morning in my apartment, and I wrote down this question. This was a question for me, and when I wrote it down for me and I started working through it personally, God was like, no, 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 you need to share that with, with your church. And so the question out of this point for all of us is this, what is the new God wants to do in you? Like, what, what, is, it, what, is, that, what is the new thing, what is that next step that God wants to do in you? Like, God, I love you if I'm on this side of the Jordan, and God, I love you even if I'm over here and life's not as easy. What, what is the new that God wants to do in you that requires sacrifice? Which leads to the third word, and the third word is obedience. Now, I've always kind of had authority issues, big surprise. Um, and it started when I was a kid. I, uh, I have ADD, ADHD diagnosed. Um, and, but when I was a kid back in the 70s, they didn't have medication. Um, and if they did, I grew up on the Mill Hill. We didn't know about ADHD. You know what we knew about? The principal's office and the belt. That's what we knew about when I was growing up. And so I was always getting in trouble. I was all, I mean, I knew the principal by first name. Like, I was always in trouble. And in my neighborhood, I played with um, some, some kids, and, and two of my friends were Ron and Russ, and they were brothers, and we would go, and, and we did, we, like, we, we, were, we, were, we were bad kids. We just, we, we, made, we made little bombs and stuff like that. I mean, we were like little terrorists as kids. And, 
And so we were always scared of any time our mom and dad called us or whatever. So one day we were in Ron and Russ's backyard and we're planning something. I forgot what we were planning. It was probably something deadly or explosive. And, and Ron's mother, Ron and Russ's mother, Miss Nancy, came to the door and she looked at us and she said, Ron Hunter, get in this house right now. Perry and Russ, don't move. And Ron went in. I said, you want to run? He's like, no, nah, man, mama catches everybody. He's like, we don't run because mamas are just, mamas have superpowers. And so I was like, all right, we'll stand here. I was like, what do you think happened to Ron? He's like, I don't know. He's probably getting killed. I was like, yeah, I know. I, I don't, like, we were scared to death because somebody with authority said, get in this house. And we were automatically in our minds thinking he's never going to come out or he's not going to come out alive or whatever. And after what seemed like four or five days, he eventually came out of the house and he's carrying this ice cream cone with ice cream. And I love ice cream. Ice cream's my favorite. And I was like, what happened? And Ron looked at um, Russ and said, Russ, mama wants to see you. I was like, don't go, man. It's a trap. <laughs> Russ disappears. He comes out in a few minutes with an ice cream cone. And Miss Nancy came to the door and she said, Perry, I need to see you right now. And I was like, you know what? I'm not one of her sons, so I'm not going to, like, I'm always dismissing stuff. I go in the house. She takes the ice cream cone. She puts a couple scoops of ice cream, and she smiles at me. She hands me the ice cream cone. In her mind, she's laughing because she knew she had just freaked us all out. And we went outside, and it was so funny because I was like, an authority figure is asking something of me. So automatically, if they're asking something of me, it's going to turn out bad. And I I relate that to my relationship with God so much because I remember when I was a kid and they would sing, I surrender all in the church. I didn't sing that song. I surrender all. You ever heard that song? I surrender all. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I surrender some. <laughs> Isn't that, don't you treat God like, all right, God, you can have everything except this right here. What's that? No, nothing to see here. I surrender some. And then we wonder, specifically me, I wonder why I miss out on the blessings. And it's because I'm not being obedient. Now, I, I'm scared to death if I say yes to God. I was As a kid, I was like, if I say yes to God, he's going to send me to Africa. He's going to send me to, to the Congo. He's going to send me. so. And, and so I, I'm scared that God's just going to do something or ask something of me that's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm scared out of my mind until I finally realized that God wants greater things for my life. God wants greater things for your life, for our lives, than we actually want for ourselves. That God's plans really are better than our plans. That God's ways really are better than our ways. And we don't have to be fearful of a father that wants to do nothing but bless his children. Even if it hurts. Even if it doesn't make sense. And even if we're confused. And even if we don't have the strength. And even if we don't understand. We can still trust him. Because, because... This last passage says in verse 7 of Joshua chapter 5, so Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Watch this. There's two words that jumped out of this text to me. Rested and healed. 
How many people spiritually would love to feel rested and healed? It comes after we get to a place of desperation. Saying, God, I'm going to love you even if. God, I'll make a sacrifice. And God, I'll obey you. God, I, I will obey you even if I don't understand. And even if I don't understand, God, not only will I obey you, but I will praise you. I'll praise you if I feel good, and I'll praise you even if all hell is breaking loose. God, I'll, I'll pra- even if it hurts, I'll praise you. And there's some people in this room that you know all about hurt. You could write a book on hurt. You could, you could describe hurt in ways that many of us have never experienced. But when we get to that, even if it hurts, I'll praise you. That's when our faith grows, and that's when our view of God enlarges. God, even if I'm scared, <laughs> I've heard people say, it's not, it's not difficult to follow God. He always, no, 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 sometimes it's scary. But God, even if I'm scared, even if I'm scared. If it's easy, I'll praise you. But even if I'm scared, God, I'll praise you. Even if this is not what I wanted. God, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I asked for. But I'll praise you anyway. Even if, God, my strength is gone, I'll praise you. Have you ever, ever, ever felt like you just don't have the strength? Man, I have. Even if, God, I'm going to praise you. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. I know if I praise you, the enemy loses. He loses his influence in my life. He loses ground in my life. He loses domination over my mind. He loses domination over my thoughts. So, God, even if things are bad, I'm going to put my focus on So before I give the invitation tonight, I've asked our band to to lead us in a song. It's a song that my friend Shannon wrote and is going to sing. And it's a song that talks about what we've talked about tonight, God, even if. My hope and prayer is that you will listen to this song, take in this song, maybe even worship during this song because it wraps up this message so well. So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for every single person here this evening. God, for those that are having um, some great moments, traffic is flowing so well and life is going great. And Father, I pray that you would just fill us with joy and we could just say thank you, God, because life is going awesome. But God, I want to also pray for those who feel stuck, who feel like they're in there even if. And God, it's a fight. It's a fight. But God, I pray that tonight over these next few moments as we take in the the words of this song, that you'll change our hearts from if to even if. And God, we will praise you in this storm, knowing that on the other side, We will see you more clearly than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.